when you're starting out, you don't have that budget to have that big fancy billboard or be on TV all the time. So you got to think outside of the box. When tapping into new markets, immerse yourself in the culture. In an ocean of competition, look for where you can stand out by digging in. You don't have to have more than that. You just got to be different and you got to find what that different avenue is for you in particular that's going to work for you. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, where we give you the tools you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. Before we start, today marks our 150th episode and the start of the winter holiday season. I want to express my gratitude to the guests who have shared their insights on the show. From world-class marketers and business owners to best-selling authors and some of the most impactful attorneys in the business. And to every listener who has been with us since the beginning, if you're new here, we are glad to have you. From everyone at Rankings, thank you. We couldn't do this without you. Let's get to the show. Empathy is at the core of every decision Joe Nazarian makes. From hiring staff with high EQ, intake evaluation, and even marketing tactics, he identifies where the firm can be better served, and it pays dividends. His firm, Pathway Law Firm, has recovered over $60 million for his clients, allowing him to expand into five offices across the West Coast and Texas. To secure the case, you gotta have a strong, empathetic intake team. Joe's staff is a shining example. He is constantly conducting self-audits and never misses an opportunity to improve. We get into the inner workings of his intake process. He shares with us the best ways to think about brand recognition when building a new practice and what to look for when you're scouting for a new office location. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. Being at the forefront of marketing is all about understanding people. So let's get to know our guest. In Joe's senior year of high school, his father, an Iranian, was attacked for speaking with a heavy Persian accent. He was knocked unconscious and taken to the hospital. As medical bills piled up, Joe's family found it difficult to get guidance and help. That kind of lit the fire underneath me. Then when I got my first job as an attorney, we had one PI case that came in and it was a young kid 16 years old, traumatic brain injury, defense was blaming him for everything. And what we did in the three years of litigation up to right at the doorstep of trial, it really showed me that, you know, we do need people that will step up to bat, explain everything that's going on and not let people get taken advantage of for not understanding the process. And Those two events really helped push me to start my own practice and and assist in any way that I can. I imagine at that time with your dad, it was just kind of like this helpless feeling and you're like, hey, I'm not going to let this happen to me again or to my family. I want to protect them. You know, so did did you end up getting an attorney to help with that situation? Did it did it finally you did get some some resolution there? Yeah, you know, it, it was definitely a very scary period of time. You know, my dad was unable to work, bills were piling up, and we ultimately did find an attorney who stepped up to bat for us, took on the case, and more importantly, you know, was with us step by step explaining everything that was going on. He wasn't like an absentee type of person. He walked hand in hand with us throughout the entire process until it was brought to a conclusion. 
I'd imagine that when you started your own firm, you since you had this experience, you've been on both sides. Is that something that you took to heart that you kind of tried to implement and basically model when you when you started your own practice? Absolutely, I think empathy is a is a huge huge part of it. Right, the greater majority of people that reach out to our office that have been injured, they've never gone through anything like this. They don't really know what's going. Right. Even those minor fender benders, those people, they still need that empathy. Right. Their vehicle might be destroyed. They can't get their kids to school. They can't go to work. They can't go grocery shopping. There is a huge dent in their life that we need to help them out, really, and show them the, the way, so to speak. I got to tell you, me and my president, we we're on the way to meet a client in St. Louis that flew in. And we're dead stop on Interstate 64 and we got in a wreck. And here I am, I own an SEO agency and have, have seen a million blogs on what to do after a car accident. But it was just like shook, right? Kind of scrambled, didn't really know what was going on. And it's just like, I would have appreciated an attorney that could have like reinforced even the things that I knew and how I pr should proceed. But in that moment, it just wasn't clear. Yeah. You know, so over the past decade, you've, You've grown your firm to over you know six locations across California and Texas. Every firm starts with one location, though. So, so take us back there. What was it like to open your own firm? And then how has your marketing efforts evolved over the years? Scary. It was scary starting out. You know, I dove right in. I just jumped in and I really took whatever kind of came in, right? I did focus on personal injury, but whatever cases came in, I took them on and I did as best as I could. And the way that I was just marketing was I really put myself out there. And once I started kind of building a name for myself and telling people what I'm doing and networking at different events throughout the county that we had with Cala, which is in Los Angeles, it's tough. It's scary. You know, I started out in an office with no windows. It was, it was a shoebox. It was just me. I stuffed the envelopes with the letters, you know, I got them out. I opened claims with adjusters and I would take a deposition later that afternoon, right? So we did everything that we could to just keep building and building. At the very beginning, you know, you used your sphere of influence, like put yourself out there, like a lot of grassroots, a lot of networking. So, you know, what was it like some of those early hires and like some of those early marketing decisions where it wasn't just you networking where you're deciding, hey, you know, what was the thought process and kind of what was some of those early steps that you took? When I first started my practice, I was still working at the law firm that I had originally started at. And I was doing personal injury kind of just on the side, whatever they would give me. And, and I would, I would take on. And slowly, as I kind of built that piggy bank, that pipeline that kind of started to come through, I would reinvest every single dollar back into myself, whether it was from building that website, getting some PPC going, getting some SEO going, whatever it is that I thought that I could use to put myself out there, printing t-shirts, just doing everything and just to get my name out there. I just did. It was just, it was consistently just reinvesting every dollar that we made back into marketing myself or being able to help people that have been involved in any type of accident. When you first stand out, name recognition is critical. The exposure will compound over time. As Joe's firm has grown, so has his approach to business development. 
First and foremost, I, I really think that it's about the customer service, right? We are a service-based industry and it all starts from when that person calls you, right? Whether it's a case you want to take on or not, the service that you provide that person, how they leave that conversation with you, it should resonate with them, right? We've had a number of times where we won't take on a case for whatever reason. And that person's experience with us, the time that we took to talk to them and explain everything to them, they'll refer somebody over to us. When somebody does reach out to you, it's providing them with that service, that knowledge that you have, whether you can help them or not, right? And if it's not something that's in your wheelhouse, find somebody that can help them, right? They're going to remember who you are. We've just kind of developed other little things throughout the years. You know, when anybody, anytime anybody calls us, we're going to reach back out to that person in 30 days, 90 days. We're going to send them something. We're going to consistently be touching that person every so often. We're going to send them newsletters. We're going to send them whatever type of marketing material we have so that we're constantly staying on top of their mind. I think that's so smart. A lot of times what I see is individuals will just won't accept the case and they're not empathetic and don't truly help that individual. And that's when they get pinged with a negative review. It wasn't even the experience of working with the firm. It was just how they were treated on the intake. And then that also speaks a lot to what could lead to future referrals and driving down those case acquisition costs of just being human and individuals who want to talk about that experience that they had. We kept coming up with a lot of compliments on your guys's intake. I was just wondering if you could kind of touch on the intake at your firm. Is it an all in-house thing? Do you use a strategic partner? You know, tell me a little bit about your intake and, and what makes it really thrive. We handle intake in-house 100%. And I have really been nitpicky on everything that, that goes down, right? So from how long it takes us to answer the phone, I even and on top of that, right? It shouldn't be more than three to four rings. You got to answer that phone. And it's not just about answering the phone. How are you answering the phone? How are you presenting yourself? You're the first person that this person is going to talk to. You know, are you talking in some monotone voice or are you presenting yourself as somebody who is happy to talk to that person, ready to talk to that person, ready to help, right? I even go as far as looking to see if it's a case that we turn down, how long did you spend with that person, you know? you got to spend at least 10 minutes with that person on the phone to really understand, is it something we want to take on or not? And if it's not, we really got to explain to them why. We'll randomly listen to recordings. I even go as far as sometimes I'll just pick up my cell phone and just call the number and see how long did it take you to pick up the phone and what did you sound like when you answered? But it's a constant building. It's, it's constantly adapting to who can really take on a call in the office and really just reviewing and, and learning with them, right? It's, it's a constant training process with the intake. I like the tonality, the answering with intention, the, the quickness. I mean, that even helps a Google screen. And I was talking to an attorney earlier today and I kind of liked to, I was curious myself because like how many intake people do you need? Like, is it, obviously the answer is it depends right on the type of calls you're getting, but for example, you know, if you're getting 400 to 800 calls, like what's the size of a good intake team? And then also, how do you think about 24 seven coverage? I mean, you got people staffed at night, early in the morning, you know, or, or is it going to like a strategic partner? 
in the beginning, we did have one intake person, and obviously they couldn't take on every call and they couldn't answer 24 hours a day. So we did have a third-party answering service that was helping us out, and we gave them a script of what to say, what to ask, and essentially from there, we continued to develop our script until we brought everything, made the decision, bringing it in-house. Currently, yeah, we do have somebody that's manning the phones 24 hours a day, and that person is dedicated in-house in this firm. They don't work with anybody else, right? Uh, we don't have any third-party answering services or anything like that at this time. But look, when you're starting out, it, that might not be possible, right? You're going to have to have somebody who's answering that phone 24-7, and having a strategic partner that's a third-party answering service is is great. A lot of people have done it and you should do it when you're starting out. The number of people that you're going to have in your intake staff is really, you're going to get a lawyer answer. It depends, right? It depends on what's your, what's your call volume, right? And you really need to understand, well, when are your calls coming in, right? How many people should I, am I getting a lot of calls at 11 PM or are my calls coming in, you know, at 11 AM? When I started out, in addition to having that third-party strategic partner, I was taking the calls myself, right? So I was – I didn't have staff. So I was i was the one that was doing I was the intake team. I was the lawyer. I was everything. So I was really able to not only develop my script for that third-party uh, company that we used, but then develop my script for the in-house team, but also then to understand when do I need more team members, right? Here in our office – we don't get too many calls late at night. The greater majority of our calls come early morning and midday. So we have beefed up our staff and other members of the office are also trained on how to take an initial call intake. So we have the people that are going to screen the call. And once an intake person is ready, they'll you know, transfer the call up over them perhaps and you know, finish closing it out. And people talk about just in-house or or outsourcing kind of binary, but they don't talk about things like script and and when the call volume's coming in. I think those are just uh, things that, that have to be taken into consideration. And, and then also like the E-Myth Revisited, right? The You're the technician, you're the manager, the owner, and you're, you're wearing all these hats at the beginning. That's how it develops, right? I mean, data is king, right? But there's nobody better to digest that data than, than whoever's leading the firm, right? If it's your firm, you got you got to know what that data is, but what better way to do it than to, than to dive right in, right? Take those calls, figure out, well, when are my calls coming in? What sources are best for my marketing dollars and start putting your attention towards that, right? Am I getting more premise liability cases or am I getting more auto cases? Why? Why am I doing it? So when you're doing it, when you're starting out, there's nobody better to do it than yourself, as opposed to having a strategic partner and having them take everything on, right? You're the one that's going to want to do it, learn it first, and then pass it on to a strategic partner. Have them as your backup when you're not available, but definitely get in there yourself so you truly understand what's going on and how to train the staff that you're eventually going to be going to hopefully hire. Yeah. I love that. And it's not delegation by abdication. It's like you can actually delegate with processes from your own experience. One thing I've heard you say a few times is empathy. And I, and I saw that love and compassion are two big parts of the DNA of your firm. 
So how do you make sure that's infused throughout the firm and, and you share those values with everyone that you're working with and then the clients get those experience that as well? You can't be an absentee law firm owner or an absentee leader, right? You have to, you have to understand what's going on in your office. You have to talk to your staff. They have to be on the same level as you. They have to be on the same wavelength as you. You know, when we hire somebody, we're not always looking at that resume. Okay, you know, you worked here, you did this. It's also about the person and their attitude and how they interact with you as the law firm owner and how they'll interact with the rest of the staff, right? And empathy does go a long way. Everybody can can remember a time where something negative happened to them and how the people that were around them made them feel, whether it was positive or negative. And they have to bring those experiences into this office and understand that it goes beyond a case file in this office. It's not just a case file. It's a human being. It's something happened to that person and they don't know what to do. And they're reaching out to us to help them, you know, put yourself in that person's shoes. You know, you're a single mother who has, Children needs to go to the grocery store, needs to take them to school, needs to go to work herself, and she just got rerun and doesn't have her car. You know, and it's the first time it's ever happened to her. What would you do? How would you feel? Right? That's a lot of the things that we do when we're training not just our intake, but our case managers as well, too, right? That's why it's really important to get that out there initially when you're training your staff so that they can really understand when they start diving into each case to give it the time and attention that it truly needs. For people like Joe, EQ or emotional intelligence comes naturally. To make sure that his team shares that same elevated level of empathy, he has a rigorous hiring process. So we go old school. We don't necessarily have, you know, fancy computer programs where we give module tests. We go through a different stages of hiring, the hiring process. We have a hiring manager who will do that initial interview and get a feel for the person, do a mock telephone call, for example, if it's an intake person that we're going to be bringing on, see how they speak, their tone, how they're dealing with a client or a potential client that kind of has an attitude. I'll be the one that's going to take it to the second stage of the interview and really it, it goes it goes by feel is really what it is. You know, we go by feel, we give that person an opportunity and if they cut it, they cut it. And if they don't, then we'll hopefully find a different position within the office for them. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. And I, I like the assessment feature and actually testing them, like giving them a, a tough situation and see if they handle it with EQ and empathy, like you mentioned previously. Looking at how far your firm's come the past 10 years and how much you've grown, I, I got to imagine you're not planning or stopping anytime soon. When you're looking at like pictures out in the future, where's the firm in, in three years? What's like the some of the future goals? My goal is to expand into other jurisdictions, right? So we started in California. We made our mark in Texas for the last couple of years. And we're slowly going to start heading into some other states. Arizona, New Mexico are next on the list. And we're going to do whatever is necessary to hit the ground running in all of those states and helping the people that, you know, need some assistance there. But our goal is to get the Southwest and expand from there and, and continue to grow and 
give opportunities to people that want to help and help everybody that's that's in need of our services. Yeah, I love that. I love the expansion mindset. And and I kind of want to just pick your brain, just like what goes into your head when you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to open up this new office. Like you've got like staffing, you got marketing, like, like what's some of the things that you're just immediately like, okay, I got to have this great location. I got to do this marketing. Like what's some of those things that you're thinking about? The first thing we start thinking about is, is marketing, right? We got to know the landscape. It's I'm not going to go into a market where I've never been. I actually, before we went to Texas, I actually went and spent time in Texas spent time in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, and kind of got a makeup for the landscape, how people really deal with each other. Just I literally lived there for a little bit. So we that's one of the things we're going to start to do and start to develop, just get an understanding and a feel for for the community, right? It, it, because that's kind of really what it's, what it's all about. And a lot of our marketing that we do now is a lot of it has to do with community outreach, right? We do go to swap meets and different city events and we sponsor different programs within schools from scholarships to events that they have. So we kind of get a feel for the community and that's how we're going to expand it to each city. It's not all online digital marketing. A lot of it is grassroots marketing is what we try and focus on. That's the first time I've heard like the immersion standpoint of going there and experiencing it and like where people are congregating and where, what, you know, where communities are. And I think that's super smart. A lot of people talk about, look, I'm a digital guy, but I think all marketing works to some degree. Billboards work, radio works, you know, carver ties, wrap cars work, you know, all these things work and it, it is attention arbitrage. And I like how even from the very beginning, you mentioned, hey, I'm, I'm pounding the ground. I'm using my sphere of influence, my friends and family, and that just you've continued to just push that because it's worked. Yeah, digital works, billboard works, radio works. It, it all it all works, right? You've got to do all of it, but digital is expensive, right? Billboards are expensive, TV commercials are expensive, and when you're starting out, you don't have that budget to have that big fancy billboard or be on TV all the time. So you got to think outside of the box sometimes, but a lot of it does go back to, you know, old school type of marketing, right? Getting your name out there, having people know what you do. Can't tell you the number of times when I first started out that a friend of a friend be like, oh, I knew you were a lawyer, but I didn't know you did that. I was just involved in a car accident. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Like, how do you not know? Right. So it's getting your name out there consistently and don't knock those, you know, those grassroots community events and consistently going there. That's the main thing, right? It's got to be consistent. You can't just try this for a minute and try that and keep moving around. You got to be consistent in all of your marketing, whatever avenue that you take. On the consumer side, when I drive into a city and I see a whole bunch of billboards, it just kind of drowns out, right? If I see just a whole bunch of attorneys, but if I see the same billboard or the same firm consistently that's where it brings that that uh i can remember them more easily and i'm even in the space so i'm even more aware of what's happening as opposed to someone that's not in the legal vertical and i think the same could probably be said what you're mentioning is like with even grassroots yeah i mean look those guys are in everybody's face all the time the billboard guys the, the, the digital guys they're there and you don't have to be better than them necessarily you don't have to have more than them you just got to be different and you got to find what that different 
avenue is for you in particular that's going to work for you because what I do might not work for the next guy and, and so on and so forth. But you got to find out what's going to make you different and that sets you apart so that people will remember you, so that people will want to come to you. Joe, that's so powerful. I think that's a great piece of advice. What's next for Joe Nazari and what, what's next for the firm? Growing. We see exponential growth. I love walking in the office and seeing my staff and growing my staff. And like I said earlier, you know, we're going to grow into different markets and different practice areas, hopefully, as things change and as things develop. You know, we've taken on a lot more premise liability cases. We're looking to get into mass tort cases soon. So we're just continuously growing in, in every way we can. Joe's family fell victim to violence. He became more empathetic and used his experience to build a better practice. When starting out, focus on brand recognition and saturating your market. As the calls come in, be hands-on in the intake process. Know it inside and out. Create scripts, clearly establish expectations, and when you make your first hire, spot check them with internal audits. Reviews can come from anyone, even people who do not sign with you. Make sure each potential client feels heard. As volume increases, analyze your data and adjust your staffing accordingly. I'd like to thank Joe Nazarian from Pathway Law Firm for sharing his story with us. I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing. Happy holidays, everyone. Mm-hmm.